Hi, I'm Izzy, host of the STEM Untapped podcast. This week, our student is interviewing Charlotte Pitt, who is a child and adolescent psychoanalytic psychotherapist. Hi, my name is Charlotte Pitt. I'm a child and adolescent psychoanalytic psychotherapist. I currently work in a child and adolescent mental health service in Birmingham two and a half days a week. Um, And I'm also about to start working in a school as a therapist. What does an average day at your work look like? The first thing that I do in the morning is join a team called the multidisciplinary team. So we come together and there's people from all different disciplines and professions who come together to gather for the day, think about any risk, any cases that need thinking about, anything that's happening on site or any any changes to, to the normal running of the day. So I meet for individual therapy with cases. So I work with any age from 0 to 25. And if a young person is accessing therapy with me, once weekly therapy, then they, they I might have a therapy session. Then I might do some consultation work. So meet with somebody from a different profession and think about a case, a young person. Then I might have my own supervision. So part of my work is to make sure that I think with other people about my work. Um, So that's supervision or there may be a team meeting. So that's a kind of an average day. What university did you go to and what topics did you study? I went to Swansea University. University of Wales and I studied sociology at A level. I did English, Spanish and history of art and yeah, studied sociology at university, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I got to university through clearing and did sociology and really found this career got into this profession a lot later on in life. I think what is very common in my line of work is that people tend to not go straight into this career at a young age. So most people who do this training have tended to come from, they've had a career before they become psychoanalytic psychotherapists. People tend to come into this profession perhaps as a second career, not not directly from uni. But I think things are changing. And I think if you want to get into something like this, then then yes, do something like psychology, sociology. But I would say that actually this, this career, this profession, it doesn't matter what you studied at university. It's actually something that, that I think you come into or you arrive at from your life experience in general. So how did you find out that you wanted to work in this field and do this as a career? I think I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I think I had, I had some friends at school who absolutely knew what direction they wanted to go in and I didn't. So I I was very lucky where I didn't sort of have pressures on me. I didn't put pressure on myself or didn't have pressures to to find the career I wanted. I was able to explore. So I did a teaching English as a foreign language course and then went and lived abroad, went and lived in Germany and taught English to adults for business. And then I 
fell into teaching children English while I lived in Germany. And then I got quite into training other teachers how to teach English. So very different to what I do now. And the more I did that, the more I saw or learned about behaviour difficulties in the classroom and was really interested in why children were behaving in the way they were behaving and what was going on in their world, what were they trying to communicate through their behaviour. So I studied abroad. I did a long distance degree supporting and understanding children with social, emotional and behavioural difficulties. And then I did a master's in that while I lived abroad, which was a challenge. (laughs) And then realised that actually that was my area of of interest. And I came back to the UK and I worked in schools for permanently excluded children and then realised I just didn't have the tools to work with these children. And I wanted to try and make sense of their world and what they were communicating. So I looked on the internet and looked and looked and looked and found or stumbled across psychotherapy and did some research into different places where I could learn about psychotherapy and then applied at the Birmingham Trust for psychoanalytic psychotherapy and started my training. So what was your training like at the Trust? What did that look like? It's a six-year training. So the first two years, which is called the preclinical training, is really about observing behavior and the way that that I learned how to kind of observe is through observing a young infant a baby which was really interesting and we did theory so we look at we looked at psychoanalytic theory and we also do a seminar the preclinical a seminar called work discussion where you bring examples from your work and you think about them from a, a different perspective um, a psychoanalytic perspective so that's a two-year preclinical, and then I applied, everybody has to apply to do the four-year clinical training. And that's then a funded post by the NHS in a CAMS clinic. I, so CAMS is Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. What advice would you give to someone who's training to do like a job similar to yours or your job? I think one thing that I learned through my training is to ask for help but also to know where to go to, to ask for help. So there's different, you know, in my training, there were different people offering me different things. So I had my training school. I then had my training placement where I had a supervisor. I then had my own analysis. So it's learning who's available in your world, in your training and who to go to with what. I think also what another thing that was really important for me when I was training was to be able to be quite boundaried. So when I was at work, I was at work and I, you know, I was really committed to my work. But when I was at home and I'd finished work for the day, that I switch off and that I have things in my life that are separate from my work. I think that's a really important skill um, in this line of work to be able to to separate out work, home, and whatever it is, to have a life outside of your work what are the biggest challenges and like successes or highlights of your job I meet some young people and their families who have really suffered quite significant trauma or abuse or are really struggling with their mental health they're really very poorly 
But I think when you've had a good training and you've got the right structures in place around you and you're able to use them in the right way, highs are knowing that that actually I'm really helping young people and, and some people really benefit from this way of working and this way of thinking. Yeah. And that hopefully they, they are given the tools to be able to go on and live fulfilling, healthy lives, both physical health and their mental health. Do many women work in your field? Like, is it evenly split or does one gender like dominate? I would say um, there's more women than men in this profession. There is definitely a male presence, but I think it's probably more women than men. Although saying that where I trained, there were male psychotherapists. Where I work now, there are male psychotherapists. So I'd say it's probably more women, but but not sort of predominantly. What does like a typical therapy session look like, I guess? I feel like that's quite a hard question to answer, but just sort of like a general one. I can answer kind of more generally. I think the way that, that I work is that the young person, what's really important is that they consent to therapy. So they're not being asked to or expected to come by someone else, that they they want to be there. A therapy session lasts for 45 or 50 minutes. It's the same day every week. So it's got regularity. So the young person can build up a, a relationship with their therapist, a therapeutic relationship, a trusting relationship. And within those 45 or 50 minutes, depending on how old the young person is, but I'll talk about an adolescent they would really bring to the therapy session what it is that they want to bring. So it's not me leading or asking them to kind of do homework or have set specific goals or tasks. The young person comes to their session and lets me know in a way that they can. So it might be with words or with drawing. Some people find it really hard to find the language and the words. So they might use some resources like pens and paper or maybe some other equipment we have different things that they can use like maybe string and play-doh and we have a box that that they may be able to use to communicate what what might be going on for them and then I might make a comment or an observation like I was saying earlier that the observations the preclinical that really enables me to just observe what the young person's bringing and also to notice how I'm left feeling being with that person and then I might make a an interpretation or a comment and then see how they respond and and in that way a, a language is built up with the young person and their therapist that feels right for them at their own pace in an attempt to understand what it's like to be them how they make sense of the world and where they may need some help thinking about it you know where they might be getting into trouble or difficulty with their mental health and and how they're processing things and then that psychoanalytic therapy tends to last quite a long a longer period of time so it's not like a six week or a 12 week block necessarily we work longer with with young people to give them time to build up that trusting relationship and be able to think about some of the things you know when you get upset and you're crying and you don't really know why and somebody's like well what's the matter and you you're like I don't know and you know you need time to be able to build up that. What would you say to your teenage self or just teenagers now that you're a psychotherapist? Oh that's a really good question <laughs> that it's okay not to know 
and that you can't know everything. And if you think you know, then you've got something wrong because you can't know everything and it's all right not to. You know, as a teenager, I thought I needed to know, I needed to have clarity, I needed to be decisive. And actually, as I was saying earlier, I arrived at a career that I'm passionate about and I very much enjoy. And I arrived at it later on in life um, because I was just able to to kind of follow my feeling or follow my gut rather than having to get it right, having to get the grades, having to perform, having to be successful, have a a lot of money in my bank account, you know. (laughs) So I think it's, I would have said to myself, don't worry if you don't know, it's okay not to know doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard and be ambitious and but that you can't always know thank you for joining another stem untapped podcast if you enjoyed this episode then subscribe for free on your podcast app you can follow us on instagram at stem untapped if you know of a school or group of students who would like to interview female or non-binary role models do get in touch likewise if you know of anyone who would be a great role model then let us know Our details are all documented in the show notes.